This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you. Being family at Bethel, um, we get to celebrate baby dedications and weddings. There's also the moment to come together as family when someone loses a loved one. And the Workington family, uh, many of you know Nettie Workington. She passed away this past week. And so we're praying for Jake and Val and the extended family. Um, we're going to have a memorial service for Nettie this tomorrow at 2 o'clock. And so your prayers for the family, your attendance would be so appreciated. I want to take a moment and pray with you now before I introduce our guest speaker for having him come and share. On our cards, we also have a place for prayer requests. And if you have a need and I don't get to talk to you personally or you can't connect to someone, please just take one of the cards, write those down. We want to be in touch with you about praying. Would you just take a moment and just bow your heads just so we can close our eyes and be in a quiet moment and just let me lead you in prayer because God cares and he, he's going to listen to this prayer today and wants to bless you. So thank you, Jesus. You've been watching over this gathering. This is your family here and you care about us. You showed it because you came to this world and you died in our place and you were raised from the dead, very much alive now. And we thank you. We're gathered here today. We came because of you. We're wearing jerseys, and we're having fun, and we're laughing, and we're cheering on others, but it's all because of you and your love, and we pray that your love would be felt by the Workington family, that you would bless Jake, and that you would bless his extended family, that you would bless uh, his dad, and that you would help comfort them at this moment. Thank you that Nettie was a person um, that believed in you, and lived for you, not just believed for you, and was assured of the fact that when she came to the end of her life, it would just be the beginning of new life, of heavenly life. And so I pray that you truly would come close and help this family, not only tomorrow, but in the days ahead. We thank you for a friend, Glenn Harper, and his willingness to come today. And we pray that as he now shares his story with us, that we'd all feel like it's something special for us today, and that you would bless him and help him feel in a, in a, a, a family place and so we pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So Glenn Harper has been a part of the Edmonton Eskimos. Um, I first saw Glenn on the football field. You only get to know guys by their number because the helmet covers their face. You can't see them. But I always remember the curls that came under Glenn Harper's uh, uh, helmet. So when you see Glenn, he was a punter for the Edmonton Eskimos. He won the Grey Cup with the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, he's now working for Atco Gas in Edmonton. He's got family. Lisa's wife is here with him, and they're from Neerlandia. We got family and fans out here already. They're going to cheer him on. So please welcome Glenn Harper as he comes to share his story of football and faith with you today. God bless Harper. Oh, good morning, Barhead. How's everybody this morning? You seem pretty good. You seem like you're in the mood to, you know, compete and do all that kind of stuff, which is really neat. And I, we got to laugh because that, that last game that you just played about having the nuts on the skewer and you're going to pile them all up. First of all, I'm thinking peanuts. <laughs> and, and Lisa and I looked at each other and we're like, 
is that even possible? Can you like stack them? And he said vertically. And then they came out and we we're like, oh, okay. That makes more sense now. So thanks for clearing that up. It's really great to be here this morning. It's, uh, it's been a while since I've actually done something like this because let's face it, I haven't played football in a long, long time. But I still enjoy it. How, how many nine-year-olds do we have here today? Do we have any nine-year-olds? We have one up front. We've got a couple in the back. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. I was, I was raised and born in, in, in Manitoba. And ever since I was nine years old, I wanted to be a football player. Now, I was never really very big, because usually when you see football players, they're big, huge, burly-looking guys, right? Like, big. But I was little. I'm nine years old. I probably weighed 40 pounds. I don't know, maybe. But I just love the game. My dad took me to an exhibition game when I was nine years old, and I watched the Winnipeg Blue Bombers play the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And it doesn't get much better than that when it comes to rivalries. But when I went to that, I, I saw the guys in the helmets, and, and the, the stadium was full of people, and they're cheering on these, these gladiators that are down on the field. And I said, man, would I ever love to do that? Now, I just happened to be in third grade, and there was this uh, fairly cute little girl in my class, and I found out that her dad played for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And it took every little bit within me. Back in those days, it was when you, when you asked somebody out, it was, will you go around with me? That meant, you know, you were going to go steady. I'm in third grade. <laughs> How steady is this going to be, right? It's not going to go very far. But I wanted to go out with her just so I could meet her dad. He was a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. And I just, and from that moment on, and I did get to meet him. His name was Jim Heighton, and this man was massive, and he was an offensive lineman. But I knew that that was the first step towards doing what I wanted to do when I got older. It wasn't always that smooth. When I was nine years old, I, was, I intercepted one of my oldest brother's passes when we were just playing in a game out, out front of the house. And I took that, that ball and I ran it all the way for a touchdown. But my brother wasn't very happy with me, so even though I crossed the goal line and scored, he pushed me anyway. And I broke my collarbone. That hurts. Nine years old, you break a bone you probably think, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. It hurts too much. I wasn't that smart. <laughs> that didn't discourage me. I, I kept wanting to do that. And you know what? As I got older and got to know the game a little bit better, I move on. I'm like in sixth grade. My, my oldest brother is in high school. In fact, he was discovered as, as a great quarterback. Everybody know what a quarterback is? They're the guys that get all the press whether they win or whether they lose. And they're always the pretty guy because they're always on camera and everything. They always got to make sure they got their hair neat and everything. My brother was one of those guys. But he also said that their football team was looking for a punter. And I thought, oh, well, that's cool. That means you get to play even more. And, uh, and I thought that was, a, that was a pretty cool skill. Not too many people know how to do that. 
So we had a decision that we were going to go out and practice this because he wanted to become the punter on his team. Now, back, this is back in Brandon, Manitoba, and we used to live in a four-story townhouse, or a four-floor. It wasn't really four stories, but we had four-level split. And part of the backyard was on an upper level, and the front yard was kind of on a lower level. So I said to Mark, I said, okay, listen, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to go in the front yard where it's lower, and we're going to kick over top of the house. And he goes, oh, okay, so you want me to go in the backyard? And I said, yes. And I'm in sixth grade. He's in high school. So I said, okay, give me the ball. I'll go to the front yard, and we're going to start doing this. So I kicked the ball over top of our four-story place. And then I waited. And I waited. And I waited. And the next thing I know, my brother comes through the front door with the ball in his hand. He goes, how did you do that? And I said, oh, well, let's go to the backyard and I'll show you. And I started becoming somebody with significance. All of a sudden, I'm starting to go, okay, I might be pretty good about this game. And pretty much all my life, I was looking for some kind of significance that people could, you know, say, there goes Glenn Harper. He's, you know, whatever. Whatever he chooses to be. He wants to be the best at it because he wants to have some significance in his life. So I kept working at stuff. And I never missed any of my brothers. I have two older brothers, and I never missed any of their practices, and I nev never missed a game. I was learning. I was just, uh, but I was younger than they were, so all the things that they were learning in high school, I was learning when I was in grade six. In fact, I remember when I was in grade nine, I was at my brother Scott's practice, and I was helping him warm up, and I'm throwing passes to him, and their coaches were all whispering, who's this kid? Who's this kid with the gun for an arm? And Scott was like, oh, that's, that's my little brother, Glenn. <laughs> He's in grade nine. Well, you can just see these coaches, their wheels are spinning, grade nine. That means he's coming here next year. We've got somebody. And these things started making me feel really, real good that people were starting to notice that I had a bit of a talent when it came to athletics. Now, when I got to high school, it was, it was pretty fun. I, 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 became, I was a quarterback. I could punt. I could kick. I could, I could catch. I could do a lot of things. But everybody wanted me to be that, that quarterback guy. The guy that got the, all the press, win or lose, at least they came to talk to me because I was kind of significant on that football team. And I did pretty good. Uh, when we moved out here to, to Alberta, um, I went to St. Francis Xavier High School. I started getting better at the, at the game of football. My coaches back in Brandon, actually, when we were moving, they wanted my parents to let me stay back in Brandon, they would look after me because they knew with the right coaching, there was no reason why I couldn't turn pro. Again, starting to get that significance thing going. Wow, people, people really think I'm that good that I'm going to go somewhere with my talents. And I did. I, uh, you know what? I, uh, it's it's kind of hard for me to think back and go, okay, yeah, you know what? I did some pretty pretty cool things. 
I became the MVP or most valuable player on my football team in high school as a quarterback. And I went on, back in those days, we used to have advancement camps with the Edmonton Eskimos. I went on and did two of those two years in a row and won MVP both years in a row. Now, what you have to understand, when I was doing that, the Edmonton Eskimos were in the middle of winning five Grey Cup championships in a row, which if, if you know anything about professional sports, it's pretty next to impossible to win five championships in a row. It doesn't matter what sport it is. So here I am in the midst of the Edmonton Eskimos winning all these championships, and I'm winning awards for being a decent football player, and I wanted to be part of that. I just didn't know how I was going to go about being part of that. Well, it just so happens that uh, my general manager, Hugh Campbell, was part of a, a football team down in the United States called Washington State University. And he had mentioned to Washington State University about me up here in Canada. They came up and recruited me. And what that means is, is they're asking me if I would come down to Washington State University and play football for them and they would pay for my education. Well, this significance thing is getting bigger and bigger and bigger and better and better. Because now I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach the goals that I've always wanted to reach ever since I was nine years old. But here's where the thing kind of twists a little bit. When I got to Washington State University, I'm six foot two, 154 pounds. That means I'm about this big. And as a football player going into a pretty major uh, program down in the United States, that's probably not going to cut it as a quarterback. In fact, our third string quarterback, not the starting quarterback, not the backup quarterback, but the third backup quarterback was six foot five, 235 pounds. I don't think I'm going to see the field. And it was at that moment that I realized that football, I was starting to lose my significance with football, at least in my own mind. Because I'm thinking, well, I was a really good quarterback in Canada, but it doesn't look like I'm going to even make it on the field down here in the United States. And that's when I started focusing more on my punting. I thought, you know what, this is something else that I know how to do. I'm going to focus on that. And the coaches were okay with letting me do that. But to me, that wasn't good enough. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the focal point anymore on a football team like I was when I was in high school. So I was doing the silly things. I was looking for other ways of getting my significance back. How am I going to stand out? How am I going to impress people, if you will? So I started doing stupid stuff. Did a lot of partying when I was 20 years old and in, in, in college. Hanging out maybe with the wrong guys. Doing the wrong things. And it started bringing me down and I couldn't figure out why. My game started struggling. I wasn't as good as I, I thought I was going to be. And I didn't know where that was going to take me. <clears throat> Excuse me. So from that point, uh, it was 
it was basically going through a little bit of destruction in my life because I'm losing my significance. When I became a professional player, and I I was lucky to become a professional football player because that was always my goal, I was actually drafted by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I see you back there. (laughs) However, I didn't stay there. I was traded to the Calgary Stampeders. (laughs) I'll tell you what, that was not fun. We were terrible. We could not win a game, particularly against the Edmonton Eskimos. Now, I'm from Edmonton, and I'm playing for Calgary, and we're not good. And if we're not good, that means I'm on the field a lot, because I'm a punter. <laughs> but it was at that point, I, was like, I still wasn't where I needed to be. I started asking questions. You know, I'm losing my significance, but how do I get that significance back? And I started asking questions from, to guys around the locker room that I noticed they would, they would go off once in a while, sometimes before games. And I, I was curious to know where they were going, and, and uh, I found out they were going to pregame chapels. I said, what's a pregame chapel? They said, well, because we don't have an opportunity to go to church during the season as often as we'd like to, we bring church to the locker room, and we go off and... Those who wish to, to take part in our pregame chapels are more than welcome to come. Okay, well, that, that's good for you guys. But me, I got my own plan, my own game plan, if you will. And it just wasn't for me, but I never stopped thinking about it. Kept asking more questions, started seeing who was going to these pregame chapels. And then they start, you know, friending you once in a while. Hey, why don't you come out and join us? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm just not ready for, for that sort of thing right now in my life. Well, Glenn, we serve dessert when we do these things. Well, maybe just one time I'll come and see what it's all about. I do have a bit of a sweet tooth. Love my cookies. But uh, so I started going. And I started realizing something about myself that there's more to it than just me. I started realizing what kind of role I have, not only on a football team, but maybe in life in general. And that's, that's when I decided, I went to an Athletes in Action co- uh, conference in 1989. For some of you, that's a long, long time ago. And there was a hockey player, a former hockey player named Paul Henderson. That was there. Now, first of all, this is a Canadian Football League conference, and I couldn't understand why they invited a hockey player. What does he know about football? Well, it wasn't about football. But he made me realize something. I was hearing all along how Jesus loves each and every one of us, including me, despite all the things that I've done wrong in my life. That God sent his only son, just like Pastor Bob said, sent his only son... For whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's John 3.16. And I was like, wow, you mean he even, likes, he even loves me? And I said, okay, but, but I don't understand how I'm supposed to, how is it that he, he loves me? I, I just don't, wasn't quite understanding that. And then Paul Henderson went back to my old roots when I used to play hockey when I was quite young. And I was a goaltender. 
So what he was about to say made total sense to me. And as an athlete, we love analogies. If you want to teach us something outside of sports, use sports analogies and we'll catch on, usually. And what Paul said was, is that if a goaltender slashes another opponent in front of his net and the referee calls, catches him, chances are he's going to get a penalty for slashing. But who pays the penalty for the goaltender? Somebody else on the team has to go to the penalty box and serve that penalty for the goaltender. Well, guess what? Glenn Harper was the goaltender in this case. And Jesus Christ had to go spend, spend his time on the cross for me. That's how much he loved me. And I was blown away by this because it finally made sense. And it was at that conference in 1989 that I said, that's the kind of significance I need in my life. So I prayed. I said, you know what, God? I don't know why you love me, but I'm sure glad you do. And I don't know what else to do, but I need you in my life. I need you to take control of my life. Now, I don't know if he did. I was, my heart was pounding like crazy, so I figured that was God getting comfortable in there, maybe, right? But from that moment on, I thought, wow, I'm a new person. And what good timing, too, because I just finished playing for the Calgary Stampeders, couldn't wait to get out of there, so I did that. And I happened to sign with the San Francisco 49ers. These guys are winning some Super Bowls. They've got a lot of Hall of Fame guys on this team, and, and I'm now a part of the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm thinking, and I'm a Christian. What could possibly happen? I've got God on my side now. I got cut for the first time in my life. I didn't know how to accept that. I'd never gone through that before. But you know what? My plan was to make it on the, on the San Francisco 49ers. But God had a different plan for Glenn Harper. Yeah, my goals and everything were, were bang on. I, I made sure and I, and I got to all the goals that I ever wanted to do ever since I was nine years old. But then I always also came to realize that God had a different plan for me. Not everything is perfect when you're a Christian, like I thought it was going to be. In fact, I've, I've had a lot of hard, hardships in, in my life. I've gone through a divorce. That was not fun. Couldn't even understand why in a lot of cases. And then I pretty much hit, hit bottom when I was uh, going through my divorce. I would finish my career with the Edmonton Eskimos. So I didn't know what was going to happen. I was going around listening to people telling me, oh, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. You're going to make lots of money. You're Glenn Harper. You want to... You want a great cup of the Edmonton Eskimos. You're going to make tons of money just because of that. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. But you know what? God still had me in mind. Because back in 2001, I uh, met my lovely bride, Lisa. Now, she's got a testimony she probably doesn't want to come up and share right now, but God had a plan for her and for me. 
And the more, it's been 18 years now since we've been together, and the, the, the opportunities that we've had to grow as a couple and to be a witness to others, we're, we're seeing that tenfold. So we can see what God is, how he's working in our lives. A few years ago, we had an opportunity to uh, go to Israel. And uh, that was an amazing experience because everything that I was learning from the Bible about Jesus and, and what, he, uh, what his life was all about becomes tenfold when you're there. Now, I had been baptized earlier in my Christian walk, but Lisa and I both felt like, you know what, we, we're going to do something pretty spectacular. Lisa was baptized at a Bible camp out of, just kind of out of a spare of a moment, and her parents happened to not make it there that day. Excuse me. But we felt that God was asking us to, you know, maybe let's restart this a little bit. And we had an opportunity uh, to be baptized in the same river that Jesus was baptized in, in the River Jordan. And I still get chills about that because one of the greatest things was is my father-in-law, Leonard, and another good friend of ours were part of that ceremony. And Lisa's parents got to see her be baptized again, which was something that really means a lot to us. And uh, so in closing, this is what I want to say. My significance doesn't lie in the things that I do. It doesn't matter. I mean, it, it's great that, that I did some really good things as an athlete, but my significance does not lie in the fact that I'm a great athlete. It lies in the fact that God loved me enough to send his only son to die for me. That should have been me up on that cross. But that's already been taken care of. And for me, and for you, that is all the significance we need. I want to thank you for having me here today. I hope we have a great kickoff. Go Eskimos, go. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Harp. I'd ask Glenn just to stay for a couple of moments. Uh, two things are so important. You've heard Glenn's story, and maybe today is your moment when you have been thinking about your own life, significance, maybe even disappointments, setbacks, and you're wondering how you're going to take your next step forward. I think what you heard from Glenn today is the best way. To trust a power that's bigger, but not just a non-personal power, to trust God. His name is Jesus. And he loves you and he knows you're here today. And if, as you've been listening to Glenn, you felt like this was just for me. That's no coincidence. That's how much God cares about you. He brought you here this morning. And I'd like to just take a moment um, to say a prayer with you. You'll see on the screen right now the number you saw before. It, it's simply the word follow underneath that number now. And again, if you would text that to me, you would indicate to me that you are interested in following Jesus, in learning more about Jesus, in finding the significance that Glenn has talked about. So would you join me one more time just allowing me to pray for you? Would you bow your heads? And uh, we just want to take a moment and pray. So thank you, Jesus, for Glenn. Thank you for his story. We've all got a story. 
And I believe there are people here in this room that were meant to be here today because you love them so much and you want them to know that. And they're beginning to think about the fact that this is not a coincidence. This is just what I need. And I pray for every boy and girl and teenager, every man and woman that is here, that in this moment is saying, that's the choice I want to make, just like Glenn. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to follow you, Jesus. So come into my life. Help me to know that you are God, that it, it's going to be okay because I have you in my life, that you died for me, you're alive for me, and you want to give me a new beginning, a new life. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you for bringing me to this place today and letting me hear Glenn's story and letting me know about you and your love. And Jesus, I, I thank you and I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.